Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 26 of For Your Eyes O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Shoryuki Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today, bud? A little warm, not gonna lie. It's finally, it's finally summer. Yeah, it's finally summer and it is, it is warm today. Yeah, we had one of those uh, one of those springs that didn't exist. So it's yeah, we have one of those non springs. You know, it was just winter until it was summer, and now it is summer. Yeah, no, it got hot enough. I actually set up. I have I don't have air conditioning in my house, but I do have a window unit that I set up uh, just for my bedroom. Because like after a few years of not having air conditioning, I'm pretty I'm pretty acclimated. Like I'm cool with that, except at night, and I just have to. I can't sleep in the hot. Like I just don't fall asleep. It's miserable. So I do have an air conditioner set up in my bedroom. Yeah, I, and I did set that up the other day. I am lucky that my apartment is on the first floor, um, and so uh, if I like open my window and toss a fan on, it's usually pretty good at night. Oh yeah, no, no, that makes a lot of sense. But it was re- it was really nice. Well, we we're recording this on Memorial Day, which means I have the day off of work. Uh, I, I mean, we both do. Most people do, really. Yes. Um, and and if you don't, I'm very sorry. I have had to yeah, work sorry, these sort of holidays man. back when I had retail jobs, and it sucked a lot. Um, anyway, um, so. I slept with the window open last night, and I woke up, you know, like a little later than I normally do, because there were like birds and stuff chirping outside, and I could hear it, and I was like, oh, how nice, how lovely. And then, I had a much less pleasant sound, and I'm not exactly sure what the sound was, because I didn't like get up and look out the window, because I was uh, still a little groggy, but I'm pretty sure that there was the sound of like a bird fighting a squirrel. And I don't know exactly how that went down. (laughs) Dude, birds get crazy when they fight. There were some like sparrows either fighting or mating outside my window uh, this this morning. And that was a weird like they were it was very intense, whichever version of that it was. I I honestly don't know. Yeah, we've, we've got a blue jay that hangs out in my backyard. And I know that blue jays are very mean. So that's who I'm assuming was getting into trouble. Mm, Yeah, probably. Uh, anyway, Dave, um, speaking of fights, uh, we are watching a show full of them. Uh, we're watching episode number 26 of Choroku Sentai Ranger this week. It is called The 600 Million Year Old Boy Warrior. Uh, and if that title doesn't get you excited, then I don't know what you're doing here. Um, but before we get into that, Dave, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Uh, would you like to hear what the first star of the week is? Yeah, sure would. Okay. I, uh... For months now, I've got to call it, I don't know, six months or something, I have been having trouble with my front door. Um, Dude, the degree to which I am willing to let things slide, just like really minor things for months at a time, is embarrassing to me. Okay, me too, but I the excuse that I tell myself is that I'm a renter, and so I'm like, well, if something's actually broken about this then I'm not going to buy myself like a new door handle and get new keys made for it. I'm going to, you know, eventually get around to talk to my landlord about it. And I don't want to bug him because uh, it's probably not a big deal. And so I would just, I would come home at night and just like have to wrestle. Because what would happen is I could get my key in, but I couldn't get it out again. Ah, uh, okay. So I could like get the key in and unlock the door. 
and then like open the door to get inside and then just stand inside with the door ajar like wrestling with this key for like a few minutes and it didn't happen every day so I would forget about it and then it would happen again and I would be furious and so I was talking to some people um just sort of like at work I think about how like man I think I'm gonna have to like fix this door um and then somebody just looked at me he's like well have you put any WD-40 in the lock and I said, "Okay, that's a that's brilliant." And if, despite the fact that I use WD forty for all sorts of stuff, I would not have thought no, about that. I did. I hadn't thought about it at all. I I I mean, I've got a can. So like that day, I went home and I put like two squirts of WD forty in the lock, and lo and behold, my door is perfect. Dude, this is first of all, WD forty is a strange miracle. Uh, did you know that it is not like Coca Cola? The formula for WD forty is not patented. Really? Yeah. For the same reason that, like, eventually a patent runs out and then you have to tell everybody what's in it. And then anybody could make WD-40. So the people who make WD-40, and I literally don't know if they make anything else, they just, like, the formula is just very secret. And so, like, they don't ever have to tell you what it is because it's not technically patented. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. it's one of those things that I feel a little badly when I fall back on the cliche of, like, well, just use WD-40 and, like super glue and duct tape and that'll kind of fix all of all the things that are broken uh but in the yeah, course well, you of, know people don't say it because it's false right like so... in the course of a week i put wd-40 in my lock i super glued the uh right side mirror back onto my car because like the reflective surface had just fallen off a long time ago and mm-hmm. it hadn't broken it was just no longer connected um and so now that's working perfectly again and I, I forget, I used duct tape for something else uh, recently, and I was like, man, I am like a walking, like, Tim the Toolman Taylor cliche right here, but boy, it is working. But boy, like, it just works, that's the thing! Uh, anyway, that's my first star, I'm just very excited about it, it makes coming home so much more pleasant. What is our second <laughs> star of the week? So, okay, weirdly, it is, uh, it's actually also door-related, I have this brief garage door update. Garage door... up. Date. I don't know if Mark's going to do a song for that. Anyways, so... <laughs> well, hopefully it finally... won't require that many more segments. Yeah. Um, so I did... I finally got somebody to come out and look at my garage door. And the guy... He, so he comes out. He's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, cool. Here's the garage door. He's out there for like five minutes. And he comes back and he says, listen, man. He says, your garage door is so old. How old is it? Anyway, it's... He's like, this garage door is garage. original. What's up? Probably about as old as the garage. Yeah, it's like a hundred years old. Uh, it, we're, it's a, we're pretty sure it's original to the house, and the garage door is original to the garage. So it was built in like we don't exactly know because there was a fire and City Hall lost a lot of records, but it's like close to a hundred years old. And he's like, "Dude, I literally cannot fix this garage door because they don't make parts for it anymore. <laughs> like it's just like it's so antiquated that it cannot be repaired." It's just it's just impossible. So I'm going to have to get the garage door replaced. And the bummer about that 
A, aside from the fact that it's expensive, is that it's like a really weird size. I guess garage doors are normally seven feet or eight feet tall. And this garage door is six foot eight. And so you can't, yeah, like for some reason. And so you can't order a standard garage door. Like he's got to order this specialty garage door. Like it has to be fabricated to meet this weird size. that custom job. uh, Which is a pain. So it's extra expensive. So I was talking to my buddy Tim about this. And I was saying, you know, it's kind of a pain because, like, I don't even really use the garage for anything. Like, I just use it to store stuff. I don't park my car in there. Like, I could, but I don't. And he said, well, if you don't park your car in there, why do you need to replace the garage door? And I was like, well, because it's it's broken and I can't get into the garage. And he said, why don't you just knock a hole in the wall and, like, install a, a man door, like a side man door and then you just recognize that, like, you don't have a garage anymore. You just have an outbuilding. But who cares? Because you didn't use it as a garage anyways. And I said, I I just didn't. I never I thought about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, garage door broken. Fix garage door. Uh, so now I gotta, I'm got going to call the garage door people back and be like, hey, I might actually need to cancel. Because, yeah, if I can avoid spending $1,300 on a garage door that I don't actually care about... You know, rock and roll, man. Yeah. That's that's pretty excellent. And then you can put in a um, man door, which I know is like, like I recognize the validity of that terminology, but it does make it sound like you are a bizarre alien. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my garage door update. Uh, oh, one other thing. So because I can't get in my garage, I can't get my lawnmower right. Oh yeah, my garage is getting or my garage, my front lawn is getting like embarrassingly long. And one of my students who lives like a block or two away and walks by my place on the way to school. He stops me in class and he says, Hey, uh, would you pay me to mow your lawn? And I said, yes, absolutely. And so he came by and he mowed the lawn and he did like a fantastic job, like a really professional job. Like he came back, he like swept up all the clippings. He was like pulling weeds out of the cracks in my sidewalk. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like did a very, very thorough job which is great, but as he was working, I and I'm, I'm watching him, like, pluck weeds out of the sidewalk, which, like, who does that? And I call inside, I'm like, dude, why can you not be this assiduous about your schoolwork? Because <laughs> he's, like, a really nice kid, but he just does, like, there's a bunch of, he just, like, doesn't turn stuff in, and he forgets. So he just gives me this look <laughs> of, like, like, defeat or resignation, but, like, about himself. And he says, I'm a very impatient person, and schoolwork is very tedious. And I said, well, I can't... Can't argue with that. I mean, I guess that. I can't argue with that. That's okay. That that makes sense. But anyway, so that's my garage door update. What, Matt, is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, is something I have gotten in the mail. Uh, I don't have much to say about it yet, because I actually haven't watched it. But I got a uh, movie mailed to me. Uh, by listener to the show, um, Alex Diamond, who's the... Oh, hey, Alex. Yeah, uh, the dude who has who I talked about earlier who came to visit. Uh, and when he had visited, we had talked about a movie called Blood Punch. Okay. And I know, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Matt, what, what could this possibly have to do with Super Sentai? And the, the strange answer is... That Blood Punch is written, directed by, and then starring people who are all involved in the season Power Rangers RPM. Really? Yeah. It's one of those things, like, the guy who wrote it was, he's like a big uh, children's television writer, I think. 
Um, and like the reason he w- wrote RPM is because RPM was like the last season of um, Power Rangers that was done by Disney before it reverted back to Saban. Oh. And so they were okay. like, we're like, we are sort of on our end of things, on the Disney end of things, like canceling this show, like after this season. So kind of do whatever you want. And, ah, and, nice. and as a result, RPM is like a very weird season of Power Rangers. It's like kind of post-apocalyptic. I haven't watched it yet, uh, but I hear that RPM is like a very, very good season. And, like, that dude and a couple of those actors, I don't know if it was before this or after this, I think I think the movie came after RPM, like, got together and made this movie. And so, apparently, like, the way that Alex got into watching Power Rangers is that he saw Blood Punch and then sort of worked backwards. Huh. Um, okay. And so I'm very, ex- I, I'm kind of terrified of this movie, looking at the box, uh, but I'm excited to see if it uh, has a similar effect on me. So I will update you on that in the future. Um, I just wanted to let you know where I am, I am rather, on my blood punch journey. Uh, and thank you, Alex, for sending that along. I was going to say, yeah, I need to know what the conclusion of that journey looks like eventually. So, so let me know what, Matt, is our fourth star of the week. Uh, fourth star of the week, Dave, is that I just got a new video game. Cool, 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 cool. And you know I like those video games. Yeah, I know you do love it. I've actually been, I've been kind of playing video games just a little bit here and there. All right. Um, well, I mean, you know, summer yeah, vacation's nice. coming up for you. You'll have a little more free time. Yeah, I've been playing uh, that Hitman. Playing that Hitman, which I know is not your kind of game. But anyway, sorry. So you got a new game. I think that's also the same game that you were playing. Like, was that, did you just pick up where you left off? Is that the last game you played before you quit video games? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, I was playing a lot of Hitman, and then I was like, I gotta quit video games, and then I quit video games, and then I was like, maybe I can play video games a little bit, and so I'm, I'm playing Hitman again. Okay. Um, Celeste is a game that may not be your cup of tea. Um, it is a, like, sort of like an 8-bit 2D side-scroller, um, like, no, platforming I, I game. No, that. I that's cool. But it, it's like a very sort of, like, not quite twitchy, but, like, very demanding uh, uh, platforming puzzler game. The sort of game that, like, expects you to die a million times... Ooh, okay. Well, you know, that I kind of go back and forth and stuff like that, but if I know that that's the plan, I'm more I'm cooler with it. Yeah, it's like you are not you ha- you have infinite lives and you are not really punished for dying. You just like get sent back to the beginning of the screen. Got like it. it is so part of the game that like the music does not stop playing while the level level reloads because it just knows like oh, well, wow, this okay. is going to happen a million times. We're not going to make you listen to like a 30 second loop as you just die over and over and over again. <laughs> um, but like, listen, I, I know that uh, you and I have not talked about this game and you may not know about it. Um, but this is like other people listening to this show probably know about this game. It was a very highly regarded game from uh, last year. And I am sort of late to picking it up now. But it's very, very good. Um, and, it's, uh, and it's good because I was sort of out of good Switch games to play. Because um, I had already, I, I can't let myself get back into Zelda again yet. Mm. I sort of need to let those fields lie fallow for a while before I can like jump back in. So I'm very excited to have a reason to be playing on the Switch again. Uh, listeners, if you know other cool Switch games that I should be playing, let me know. Because I feel like there are a ton out there and I don't know which ones I should be doing, uh, spending my time on. Anyway, that's it for that star, Dave. So, uh, what, Matt, is our fifth, fifth, right? Fifth 
Star of the week. Oh gosh, do I have the fifth star this week too? Um, yeah, you do. Listen, man, I got <laughs> twins. It's the end of the school year. I'm pretty fried. I'm just trying to stay conscious. No, no, so. it's, it's cool. Um, let me see. I got a new vacuum cleaner. Is that anything? Is that a star? It is. Is it a special vacuum cleaner? It's a new vacuum cleaner. Um, what the the one thing about this vacuum cleaner that I just I don't man we can dig deep but I don't think there's anything there bud. <laughs> okay, so he, here is here's what I got on it is that the vacuum cleaner I had previously was mom and dad's uh, Kirby vacuum cleaner which I sold to them uh, like 15 20 years ago or something when I was selling not 20 15 years ago or so when I was selling Kirby vacuum cleaners door to door for a couple of weeks. Yeah, for like the week that you did that. Uh-huh. Two weeks, thank you. Um, I I remember every moment of it. <laughs> it was a very bad job. So I, I I am now, since they're moving back to the States, I like they are taking ownership of their vacuum again. Yeah, I've, I've had it at my place for a couple of weeks, and I'm really bummed out that they're taking it back. It's so, so very good. So since I knew it was going back and I had gotten out of the habit of using it, um, ha- having now gotten this new one, especially because this new one is one of those deals like there isn't a bag. It just like goes into a plastic canister that you empty every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I get to actually see, like, oh, no. Oh, boy, there was a lot of dust in this place. Yeah, there's a ton. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel genuinely horrible about how little I had been vacuuming. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my star. Vacuum, everybody. Gets the dust out. <laughs> Life pro life pro tips man let's just talk about super sentai Speak, speaking of dusty things dave the 600 million year old boy warrior probably get some dust in 600 million years right transition oh, yeah definitely okay let's go watch the show we'll be right back okay welcome back so we have just finished watching episode 26 the 600 million year old boy warrior this episode rules yeah, there's woof. There's a lot going on in this episode. Remember okay, how so last, we do the get... last two weeks we were talking about how like man, they're just doing like some weird goofy monster of the week stuff because we got like a real tone shift coming up now, and it's not it's not like a tone shift into being super raw. Um, it's just a tone shift into being like super. How to, how to put it? It's like the show remembered that it's a show and not a series of episodes, and then it needs to get back to the yeah, plot. Yeah, no, that's a very good... Yeah, like, we're sort of kicking... We're finally sort of getting into gear on the on the year-long plot line. Because literally, up until now, all we know is there's the Baranoia Empire, they're bad, they want to destroy Earth, and the Air Rangers are stopping them. And we're, like, 26 episodes in, and that's it. Like, that's all we've known. Yeah. Um, so now, finally, we are, are delving a little bit deeper into like the history and like what's going on. So that's very cool. Uh, we do get a preview of before the credits start or before the opening theme starts. We do get a preview, and then the part of the preview is literally the very first scene of the episode. So you see like a five second clip, and then you see the opener, and then you see that exact same five second clip, and then it just continues on with the episode, which. It's like, why bother at that point? Well, I, listen, Dave, I, I feel like you're just never going to be happy with these five-second clips because either they're from late in the episode and they give something away, or they're from earlier in the episode and you're upset that you have to watch it twice. 
I just okay. Listen, I I'm gonna stop talking about it. I guess eventually because you're you're right. Like there's no version of it that's good because it's a dumb concept. Because I'm already sitting down to watch the episode. Dave, like yeah, but, I'm already here, guys. But you got the DVDs. If you were switching through the channels, you would not necessarily continue watching it. You need to know which episode is coming up. Maybe it's a rerun. I don't know. I don't know okay, if the DVDs reruns. So. Uh, so the opening, it opens up, and it is like a weird-shaped space. It's a pyramid, but it's like flying. It's flying forward, like... The tip of the if, pyramid is pointing forward. Yeah, which I guess if you were making a pyramid-shaped spaceship is how you would do it. I just... I don't know. It, it's kind of... I just like didn't expect it. It's just very weird to me, because what it actually looks like is just a pyramid that's kind of on its side... It's kind of difficult because as we're going to continue to watch this episode, later, once this thing lands, it sort of is in the orientation of a standard pyramid of with a like the big flat pyramid. side on the bottom. I mean, I guess all Whoa. the sides are flat, but you know what I mean. Yeah, sorry for that. Whoa, Matt. Um, so I'm <laughs> the room in my house that I'm recording in, I'm facing a window and there is like a sparrow's nest what I in what I assume is like directly above this window. And so there was just this bird flank very quickly, what looked to be like right at my face, and then it veered off at the last second to get up to its nest. It was disconcerting. Anyways, yeah, so there's this spaceship, and it is traveling through like a dimensional vortex, basically. It's just sort of yeah. like weird swirly colors in the background. Um, so then we go inside the spaceship, and there's a spaceship, and there's like two uh, stasis pods, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, there's- And there's two kids in there. Yeah, uh, there's an awful puppet sort of running around the ship. Yeah, it's a lizard puppet, and its name is Paku. And, it, and I'm, yeah. It's when I say that it's an awful puppet, I don't mean that like it's an awful looking creature. I mean that the actual puppet like design is awful because there's like sort of no articulation, and it never looks like anything other than just like a stuffed animal that is being sort of put. Yeah, I'm really concerned that Paku is going to become like a fixture on the show, and that's going to really bum me out. Um, so anyway, so there's this, there's like an older boy who's probably, I don't know, how would 14 something, somewhere in that realm. Yeah, I'm guessing he's sort of in that 14, 14 and a half zone. Yeah. And then there's a younger girl who's probably like, I don't know, 10, between like 10 and 12, somewhere, somewhere in that range. Um, and there's like the ship is going off and the lizard is just hanging out. Um, and he's like piloting the ship somehow. He's like doing something. And there is, there's like lights and, and soundboards, not soundboard, like keyboards and all this stuff. And then there's like, like a glowy thing that sort of looks like the atomic symbol. You know what I mean? It's like a series of interlocking rings. And I'm fairly certain they use that prop in Jetman. I am almost it, sure that they did. Yeah, yeah. Like that thing looks super familiar. So, uh, and they're just like in the, you know, they're just like in the dimensional vortex. It's kind of all we know about them so far. Yeah, we hear sort of a, um, like the ship's computer is talking like we're approaching the dimensional portal, like prepare for reentry. Yeah, um, so we don't know, but again, that's that's all we know. So we go from there to uh, the base. We go from there to the base and we see the chief. And he is, he's kind of like looking around and he looks out at the pyramid. Because remember, their base has like a, it has a surface entrance, but it's really mostly underground. And like once you get underground, it is gigantic. Yeah, and there is like their base is 
huge. It is large enough that they have either the originals or scale replicas of multiple major like world monuments. Just like I assume those have in to a be giant scale models, right? Man, that is never made clear. I don't actually think that they are. Because I mean, if I think not, that they're meant to that be full size. They just like took the Sphinx and moved it down there. I do. I think that is what is meant to have happened. Like they've got the Sphinx and the Parthenon and one of the great pyramids of Giza. And like some other stuff, the only one I don't think is supposed to be a scale model is the uh, the Moa statue because those are pretty small, and this is like clearly like a giant version. But I I feel like they're supposed to be just really really large. Hey, maybe man. Uh, so, anyways, which I <laughs> I love. First of all, I just love the concept that the chief has created this. In just enormously huge cavern in which to store like these ancient world artifacts for the purposes of creating his like super powered Choriki powered energy super team. Um, I'm just I'm just into this concept. So, anyways, so he's looking at the pyramid, right? Yeah, he's looking at the pyramid, and he seems concerned about something. He's not really clear what. Well, I, maybe what he is concerned about, Dave, is that the pyramid begins to glow. Uh, and it shows over it the what he calls is the the uh, Ricky's mark or the mark of Ricky. Um, what I think it, I believe I have heard this that this is actually the kanji for king. Oh, okay. Um, so that is uh, something to keep in mind as we move forward. Um, I, I, I believe that, that that's that the sense. case. So he looks so, up, he's like, oh my uh, gosh, it's it's Ricky's mark. We cut over to Momo, who is like manning the computers right now. Mm-hmm. And she says like, oh boy, um, a spaceship is coming. Uh, so that's probably the Machine Empire. We should definitely like scramble all fighters to try to go fight this thing. Yeah. So uh, we, then from there, we see, we flip over to a scene of the city and it's uh, like the pyramid is landing. And it just sort of lands in the in the middle of the city. Yeah, um, instead of a courtyard. Yeah, here's, and nobody, like nobody, flips out about that. Here's my question: Is this courtyard something that already has a pyramid statue in it in real life? It like did I think it must like is this like a location that they found and they were like oh like there's a pyramid like a big glass pyramid here in this courtyard we'll use this as the shooting location anytime we need to show people going in or out of the spaceship pyramid like we'll just say that it landed here and move on from there I don't know if that's Listen, the case but it would be super Matt, convenient I would I would fully believe that this location existed one of the writers saw it and was like, oh, that would be a cool spaceship. And then literally the entire rest of this season <laughs> was built backwards from that. Like, why would there be a pyramid spaceship? Well, blah, 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 blah. Like one time, this is not a joke. Like when I ran Plot for LARP, I think I've told you this story. I saw like an iridescent green fabric and I thought to myself, like at Joanne Fabrics, and I thought to myself, oh, that would look cool as the covering for like, a weapon that was like made out of crystal 
Well, why would you have a weapon that's made out of crystal? Well, it would be like wood and crystal. Why would that be? And then from there, it spawned an ent- because I wanted to build this weapon, it spawned an entire like three-year plotline and <laughs> added like multiple significant in-game locations to the world of LARP that I in which I play. So yeah, I, I believe that this pyramid already exists. In fact, now that we've talked about it, I really hope that that is the case. That would be a lot more fun. So, okay, yeah. but again, so nobody where, where flips out we? about this. Yes, okay, this ship is like Yeah, nobody flips out about the arrival of this pyramid, which like in, in world is like, you know, theoretically just arrived. Uh, so there is some kind of like... It, it shoots some energy into the sky. We don't really know why. Both of the kids wake up. And uh, and this is where we find out that the boy, the 14-year-old, that's Ricky. Yeah. Or, yeah, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky. That's Ricky. And the girl, her name is uh, Dorian? Doran? Okay, so Doran. here's... This is going to get sort of a little... It's not super clear, actually. It's going to get a little bit confusing. And actually, let's just go into the next scene, and then we'll talk about why yeah, it's Yeah, well, it, no, it makes a ton more sense. So we cut back to the, um, the headquarters, and Chief starts laying out all of this history that you have to wonder why he's never mentioned to the O-Rangers before. Yeah. So he says, listen, um, in, like, prehistoric days, like, the pre-ancient society existed, right? And they had mm-hmm. this hero that was called Ricky. And he pulls up this, like, it looks sort of like Egyptian art. Um, and it's a picture of, like, Ricky and Dorian, and also Paku is, like, sort of down there in this picture, uh, which I did not notice initially. I, I actually watched this episode twice, so I picked up a... That's, that's, that's what you get for watching the episode twice. Uh, a brief yeah. commentary on one small picture of a bad puppet. Um, so he's like, these people existed. Um, Ricky, I think, was a human, and the Dorian, or the Dorians... The Doran, yeah. Were not human, but they looked like humans, and they were revered by humans as, like, they thought that they were messengers from the gods. So, yes. the girl is being called Doran, but that's also the name of her race. So, they're probably going to get is... used interchangeably and in a confusing way. So, just prepare yeah, yourself so for that. Yeah, so, great job. Great job, Arranger. So, here is, so, here's the deal. It turns out that this ancient pre-civilization that existed 600 million years ago created the machine beasts. Yeah. That's where they're from. Like, we built them, and then they rebelled against us, Rossum's universal robot style, and then there was like a giant war between the ancient humans and the machine beasts. We won, and like... Uh, Bacchus Wrath, it turns out, is the only survivor. Yeah, on that side. and On that side. And he fled Earth, and the humans in the Doran were like, okay, well, we won, and that's great, but, like, what, like, Bacchus Wrath is effectively immortal, which means that Bacchus Wrath is 600 million years old. Um, <laughs> and has apparently just been, like, going ham the entire time. So, yeah. like, they're like... They calculated that it would take him 600 million years to, like, go somewhere else and build an empire and come back to Earth and try to take it over. 
So they sent Ricky and Doran, who is one of the last of the Doran race, into this sort of like time stasis extra dimensional space. And like then they were going to come back 600 million years later to help fight Bacchus Wrath again. Yeah. So I need to know what is up with this lizard. Yeah, because the lizard is also 600 million years old. The lizard is also 600 million years old, but he wasn't in a stasis chamber. Like, Ricky and Doran are in a stasis chamber. The lizard is just chilling. So, is it the same lizard from 600 million years ago, and it just lives that long? Is there, like, 600 million years of generation of lizard? Because that doesn't make sense. Was the lizard in, like, a tiny stasis pod, and it got woken up first? Like... I'm deeply bothered by the existence of this stupid lizard. <laughs> uh, man, I tell you, this stuff, like, oh my gosh, it, like, the machine beasts are actually, like, created by the humans 600 million years ago, and now we got a dude coming from a time dimension, and there's an extra race that, like, used to be worshipped as messengers from the gods. Like, that is the stuff that this, I did not realize that that is what this show has been missing, but that's that, like, like beautiful super sentai nonsense that like I've kind of been longing for in Oranger. Yeah, I just it was sort of weird like I didn't know it wasn't there till I noticed it was like I didn't notice it was gone till it was back and then I was like, "Oh, right. That's what that's what we've been missing. Like that's the flavor. That's the special seasoning that we needed in this season." So, we go back to the chief and he's like, "Listen, the first priority needs to be that we gotta we gotta find this thing. Like we just gotta figure out what's going on. We don't know where this pyramid landed. Um like it's clearly like something is really significant. We gotta go find this thing. So uh we go back to the pyramid and it shoots like it it puts out like some sort of sensor out of the top of it. And Ricky and Doran are are looking at these computer monitors and they're sort of observing the outside world. And Ricky is kind of blown away, I think. By the advance, I'm not really sure what he's blown away by, to be honest with you, because he's from a society that was sufficiently advanced to create a like an interdimensional spaceship and be sentient robots. So he's looking around at the skyscrapers of Tokyo and being like, what? I don't know, maybe they didn't have much use for like large architecture because they didn't have as many people back in the day. Like, maybe yeah, it's just I, that sort of thing. Because what's weird is, if you think about this show from Ricky's perspective, it's like a weird post-apocalyptic thing, right? Like, Oh, good point. Like, the, like they built machine servants. Those machine servants rose up. They basically had, like, a Terminator war. They finally won, but, like, they knew that one had gotten away. So he gets sent, like, forward. He, you know, he gets sent through time, shows up later, and is like, oh, 600 million years in the future, like, this is what Earth is? And also, our old enemies are back? Like, from his perspective, this show is completely different. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and, and it does not help that the spaceship is landed right next to, like, the, like, carnival theme park thing that's in Tokyo. So he jumps out of the pyramid, and he's like, oh, first of all, uh, Doran gives him a staff, like summons up some energy and gives him like a staff scepter weapon thing. Oh yeah. It is this sort of, it's very toyetic. Um, it looks like it would be a very neat toy. 
that yeah it's like it's got his symbol at the top and there's like a handle and some sort of a spiky thing at the bottom yeah um oh i mean listen if you if you have seen power rangers zeo this is the gold ranger from zeo i don't know if that's uh like that is where this is going Oh, okay, cool. I didn't know what color ranger he was going to... I mean, obviously, he's going to be a ranger. I just didn't know what color he was going to be. Um, He's called the gold ranger in Zeo. He's actually more of, like, a black ranger with gold highlights, but, like, they call him a gold ranger for some reason. Yeah, sure. Uh, anyway. So, anyways. So, Ricky just sort of, like, runs out into the world and... He just starts running. It's not... I don't know what his plan yeah. is. It's, he doesn't seem to, have any, seem to have any motivation. I think his thought is like, well, here I am, and I know the machine pieces are here, so like, let's just get rolling. Because he just jumps out and seemingly is just kind of randomly running around Tokyo, hoping to run into a machine beast. This does work out for him, sort of. Yeah, it's very and strange. We get, I had to stop. I had uh, Sugar Bean sitting on my lap, and... This was, like, weird enough that I stopped watching because she started, like, whimpering because it was so strange and, and creepy. So, and then I felt very, very bad. So... And, and, and it's very weird because it's sort of out of nowhere because what happens is, I mean... And it has no... It has no reference before or after this. It is in no way connected to literally anything else that has happened in this show or episode before or since. Yeah, so there, as I said, Ricky is running through this sort of like carnival, and he's suddenly he is three dudes who kind of look like uh, the Joker, like the Jack yep. Nicholson version of the Joker in a big trench coat and fedora. That is precisely what it appear. is. Yes. One of them floats down upside down while holding on to a rope, and then sort of like swivels right ways. And then the other two sort of, like, float in, but, like... And then they all sort of float up in the air and go sideways and are spinning around and, like, making weird faces at Ricky. It's extremely disconcerting, but not as disconcerting yeah. as what happens next. So, man. Um... I just... I'm not even sure quite how to say this. So, like I said, they're all they're all wearing big trench coats, right? Yeah, and then they just sort of float, and then they're sort of floating up and down, and it what it looks like is that they are in their wire harnesses, but like they just kind of can't keep their balance, and they're just sort of gently swaying and like rotating back and forth, and then they land. And they, and they do a little robot dance, and then they make faces that I can only describe as uh, expressing existential horror, mm -hmm. and then their heads sink down into their trench coats. Yeah, as though like the trench coat is a solid thing that exists apart from them, and they are like yeah. sinking or melting underneath it. And then... They are just paranoia soldiers. Yeah. And then they fight. That's the thing. Then they're just regular old paranoia soldiers. Like, there's nothing special about these three except that they show up as these incredibly creepy, like, Jack Nicholson jokers. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's, it's cool, I guess. And it definitely serves to, like 
put Ricky on edge in this like bizarre new future he's arrived in. I just don't know why any of it's happening. Yeah, I just... Yeah, it's very... It's very, very strange. But then they just have a fight. They just have a regular and old then, Baronoi yeah. soldier fight. And then fight. they just fight. So... And Ricky wins. These are not, like, stronger-than-normal Baranoia soldiers. Yeah, like, they, I cannot stress to you how normal they are. Like, they just get beat. And then that's the end of that scene. Oh, well, he... And then... When he defeats them, one of them explodes, and he sees that it's full of, like, cogs and gears and so forth. And he realizes, like, oh, this is a machine thing. Like, I'm on the right track here. Yeah. So... We go from there to the moon, and it is like a big nature preserve, and we find out that it is the Baranoia Royal Zoological and Botanical Society. Which, why is that a thing? I'd be very curious to know. Well, apparently it is a thing, Dave, because there is a member of the Machine Empire... Um, or I'm sorry, it's the Baranoia Empire. It's called the Machine Empire in Zio, and I keep slipping back and forth. Um, I, you know, hey, that's. I mean, whatever. it is a Machine Empire. Uh, anyway, so right. it's there is a member of the Baranoia Empire who is named Karis, and Karis is like a zookeeper, animal trainer, yeah, whip cracker, and, and appears to be fully human. Yeah, I don't know if that's actually going to end up being the case or if this is just, like, a human form that this robot has. It could be, but, like, everybody else just hangs out in their robot form in the Baranoia Empire. So, like, I I don't know what's going on. I, I, I think she's human. I, I'm excited to find I out. I don't know. So, uh, so anyways, he... Emperor Bacchus Wrath is... He's furious. He's looking around for the zookeeper, and he finds her... Oh, she is, like, trying to chill out some animals. Like, not animals, like, more animalistic machine beasts. Um, and then Bankers Wrath finds her, and he says, Karis, your time has finally come. Or your time has come at last. Uh, we don't know what that means, of course. I mean, I know what the concept means. Like, I'm familiar with how I, those words are put together. But, like, I don't have any context for him saying that. I, I, well, I think what it means is because he, he knows that Ricky is back. Right. Yes. Yeah. He is aware of this. So I think that Karis and her like zoo full of like machine beast monster animals is like his secret weapon that he has been sitting on this whole time. And he's like, okay, now that Ricky yeah, is here, maybe now that Ricky is here, it's finally your time to shine. Go down to Earth and show him how it's done. Which leads me to wonder if you have all of, if you already had all of these like unbeatable like animal monsters, why have you been losing for twenty five weeks? Uh, yeah, dude, I, man, who knows? It, that's always the case. Like maybe he's just concerned about letting they're too powerful. He's concerned about letting them out, so like he didn't want to use them unless he really had to. Or I don't, dude, I don't know. Um, so anyways. He says, like, your time is, is now is the time. Um, so we go from there, we're back to Earth, and the Rangers are on motorcycles, mm-hmm. doing some very cool precision driving, and then they show up at what is the last known location of this strange pyramid. So there's two weird things. A, it's morning. So, like, why did y'all wait? And B, 
You know, when I started talking about it, I was sure I had a bee, but now I don't have a, I don't know what it was. Um, but it is weird. Like, they just waited until morning, and then they showed up, and it's the pyramid is gone, we think. Well, no, it's no, not it's actually not gone. gone. It's, like, right there. Yeah. So, they are the strange pyramid. Um, it turns out it's really small. Like, it's a lot smaller than we. I feel like we were sort of led to believe earlier. Um, and it is. It's literally, like, 20 feet away from them. And they see the little girl running away. Oh, because Paku has run away. Oh, yeah, that's it. Paku got out of the pyramid and just, like, scampered off. Paku, who was apparently, like, 600 million years old and smart enough to, like, at least reactivate, like, you know, at least do some low-level, like, computer technician stuff to, like, activate re-entry, is now just a dumb animal who has, like, scampered away and they can't find him. Yeah. Uh, So Doran runs after Paku and... Uh, who is it? We've got uh, Yuji, Juri, and Momo go running after her. Yes. Elsewhere, um, uh, Goro and Shohei are driving around, and they are trying to find Ricky. Yeah, they're trying to find Ricky. Uh, it is raining, and I I always get a kick out of it when when they have to. Sh- I don't. Know, I feel bad when they have to shoot in bad weather conditions. It's like, well, it's raining, but we do still need to shoot this episode this week. So just y'all get out there. Um, so they they see Ricky and like they're chasing like they see him and they're like oh there he is like let's go kind of get him uh, he does manage to elude them sort of he just actually circles back around for a sneak attack yes because he doesn't know who these people are he just knows that he's being yeah. chased um, so he does like a jump kick and he's attacking them for a second Goro manages to like get him in a hold and he's like dude uh, we are not here to fight you we are on your side everything's cool. And then to sort of punctuate this, which I think is nice that they didn't drag that out, um, immediately they are attacked by Baranora soldiers. Yeah, um, which is really great because it, you know, like it just provides a little shorthand like, oh, yeah, they're attacking you. They're attacking us like we are attacking them all together. Great. Um, they henshin. Ricky is super impressed by their ability to use Choriki energy. He's like, oh, OK. Like, if I wasn't sure about you guys before, like, the vibe I get is. If we weren't sure about you guys before, you're definitely cool now. Like, anybody who can use the Force is is cool by me, Yeah, I think is his idea. Uh, they, they're um, fighting on a ship, right? On the deck of a ship. Mm-hmm. And one of the Paranoia soldiers gets thrown overboard into the water, which would be bad for a robot, but would be especially bad for a dude in a Paranoia soldier costume? Uh... Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, it's not a very special episode, so I'm going to assume that that guy was fine. Um, so Emperor Bacchus Wrath arrives, and he's like, Ricky, after 600 million years, I'll have my revenge. And he attacks him. He attacks them, and they sort of blast him back. It turns out he's just a hologram. Um, and so that, that doesn't really go anywhere. So we go from there back to Doran, and the rangers have caught up with her, but they hide for, for reasons I don't really understand. And uh, the girl... Doran is trying to find Paku, the lizard, who is, like, swimming around in this gross little pond. Yeah, it's very grody. Uh, Yeah. So she calls Paku over, and then when Paku arrives, she is attacked by the Barish soldiers. But the rangers are there! Like, hooray! That's that's cool. Um, So the rangers have arrived, but unfortunately, Karis is also here. And this is how you know that Karis is an important character. When she teleports in... She gets, like, a cool, unique teleportation effect. 
Like, she doesn't just, like, like zap in like everybody else does or can. Or just, like, arrive from behind a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some, like, sort of energy butterflies that flit around. And then, like, the... There's sort of, like, a crack in space that widens out. And she is standing, like, behind that crack in this sort of, like, glowing orange rainbow, like, background thing. It's a, it is very cool. So she arrives, and she's got this sort of, like, cool energy whip, and she says to Doran, like, no, it's my turn, Doran, or something, like, so clearly, like, whatever's going on, Karis has some sort of very serious beef with this little child. Yeah. And then, um... So she cracks the whip, flip- and then, yeah. like, as she cracks the whip, a bunch of uh, Barra soldiers come out, and they start to have a fight. This whip, as it turns out, is also, like, a laser whip. That she's using to attack yes. the rangers, which yeah, is a Maria very good style. Look. It's very cool. Um, and in like in general, like when the rangers first showed up, it seemed like, oh yeah, they're here to save the day. Everything's going to be cool. And then Karis showed up, and everything is not cool. And the day is not being saved, and the rangers are getting their butts handed to them. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's very very bad. So, uh, then what we see is we flip back to um. Ricky, who somehow like gets a vision. I looked away for a second. I wasn't sure how he got this, but he knows somehow that Doran is in trouble. Oh, it's if you had looked away, it's actually sort of a cool effect. When uh, Doran is hit by the laser whip, the camera shot of that sort of like pans out, and you see it like inside of Ricky's eye. So like you can see him seeing what happened, and then it pans out oh. further to where Ricky is, and he's like. Doran's in trouble, I have to go. And he just starts running. Yeah, so he just books it, which is Brad. So, uh, Barra Goblin... Sorry. Karis, like, cracks her whip, and she summons her pet of the week, is what I assume this is going to turn into, which is Barra Goblin. And uh, Barra Goblin has sort of an indistinct look. Like, he's got some horns, and he's got, like, big, long arms, and... His, his face is articulated in such a way that, like, it's got a big jaw that opens and closes, which is cool. Yeah, uh, which is cool. Like, it is. It's very neat. Um, but there's not a lot of, like... There's not, like, a single design element that you can look at and be like, oh, this is what Barra Goblin looks like. Just, if you're really curious, just look it up. Yeah, he just looks, like, generally menacing. Yeah. So, uh, so we go from there, and they are, like, they're trying to attack him, and none of their... None of their stuff is working. Like, they pull out their special weapons, and they drop some special attacks. None of them have any effect on Barra Goblin. They pull out the King Smasher. Even King Smasher is not strong enough to hurt Barra Goblin. Like, Barra Goblin is tough. Like, he is not messing around, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, we, we cut, we're cutting back and forth here between this fight and then uh, Ricky, Garo, and Shohei, who are just running to try to get to uh, where the other Rangers and Doran are. Now... Yeah. I don't know why they're running because like Goro and Shohei arrived to that spot on their motorcycles. Yeah. It's, um, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's dramatic yeah, I just, is what it is. I was going to say, dude. Yeah, as, exactly. Thank you, Matt. As they are running, they're being attacked by the like octopus spaceships that are like zapping them. So like they're trying to avoid explosions as they're running. Uh, they're trying to get there in time. Doran is calling for Ricky. Ricky is calling for Doran. Uh, there's a lot of explosions and bad things happening. 
Yeah. We flip very quickly up to the moon where we get uh, Bacchus Wrath dropping some exposition, which we actually mentioned um, earlier, where he's like, oh, I'm the only survivor of this war, and I went to Baranoia, and I created all the rest of the Machine Empire, and now like, I'm back to destroy Earth, blah, blah, blah. So this is when we actually get the information in the episode. Yeah. And then there's like this cool um, like video recorder bird robot thing that was watching all of this happen, and then we see it flying to Earth. Yeah, which I am pretty sure is like something I saw in an old Transformers cartoon. I was trying to think of where that was as well because it definitely seemed familiar. But like one of uh, what was the, what was the like the bird that was one of the tapes that Soundwave had? I don't remember their names, but yeah, not Soundwave. I'm sorry. No, but yeah. Nah, never mind. It, it turns out I don't remember as much of Transformers as I thought. The one that turns into a boombox. He has a tape. One of them is a panther, one of them is a bird. And I'm pretty sure that in the like original animated Transformers movie, basically this happens. <laughs> it's fine. I've gone way too deep on this totally irrelevant tangent. Uh, okay, so anyway, so it's flying back to Earth. We're not really sure what's going on with it or what, but it's it's flying back to Earth for sure. That's definitely happening. So uh, we go from there, we see Ricky and uh, Goro and Shohei, and they are kind of running along this cliffside, and it looks like they just straight dive off over the side of the cliff. Then the camera angle changes, and it turns out it's just a very steep hill, but it still seems like a very dangerous stunt, because they're sort of like jump rolling down this hill. Uh, It would make me nervous, all right. Oh, yeah. Uh, It definitely does not look like a safe thing. What's weird is that, like, Goro and Shohei are, you know, they've henchmen, so they're in their costumes. So those can just be anybody in those suits doing that stunt. But, I mean, I guess it's sort of a far shot, so it's not necessarily the actor who plays Ricky. But that is just like, you know, he's untransformed. And so we're seeing this, like, 14-year-old kid just throw himself down a cliff. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty intense. So... <laughs> um... So then we see uh, the it's uh, Momo and Juri and Yuji, and they are at the cliff edge, and Bara Goblin is advancing on them, and oh, that's, kind of, that's that's kind of where it ends, right? Yeah, that's kind of it. Um, Car- yeah, Karis tells Doran like that she's going to die there. Yeah, and then it's a yeah, it is a to be continued. This is a cliffhanger. We will pick up with this next week. Um... But yeah, uh, this is exciting stuff. I'm really happy that we are sort of moving into this stage of the show. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the way that we do this podcast, where we do a new season every year, um, and they're all, you know, due to the nature of Super Sentai, all unrelated, is kind of tricky, right? Because we get into these grooves where we, you know, we have like, we know the characters, we have in-jokes and stuff, and then the entire show resets and we need to like recalibrate entirely. And that is the <laughs> that is the difficult part of doing the show this way. The great part about doing it this way is that every year we are guaranteed that like the show is going to be a show with a plot. It's not just going to mm-hmm. sort of like meander through like two years of monsters of the week, you know. And this mm-hmm. and this is really refreshing because we get to move into that. Um. So th- yeah, that's the end of this episode, David. It's not the end of our episode. Uh, actually, you know what? It is because they haven't. I mean, no, it kind of is. We don't really have a monster to put into the mo- creature royale this week, just because. Yeah, like Bear Goblin will go in there probably next week, but uh, he 
cannot go in this week because we have not really seen him really fully in action yet. Uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about before we close out then? Uh, no, man. I just, you know, I am. I'm really excited to to see kind of where the show is going from here. But I, as far as this episode goes, I think that's it. Yeah, I think next week's episode is called The King's Gallant Debut. So uh, look, get hype about that. Um, but for now, uh, that is going to do it for another episode of For Your Eyes, O Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you find the show. Uh, Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To find any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on earth.